April 15, 2014, and you're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is the show where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me here in the studio and critiquing my posture is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. That was secret and private. It's true, though. I do this show often in a horrible posture, and I end up in piles of pain afterwards, and every week we try to... Actually, I think this week we have a setup where I have a potential to improve it, and it's really good because I spent a lot of time today working on... uh, That that would be you. Oh, sorry. That would be you. (laughs) Is this loud enough? I think it's loud enough. Do you you know that I had to turn the level back up again from when Jerome was here last week? When Jerome was here, he was louder than you are. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So, everyone, welcome over here at the Blog Talk Radio chat room. I see that John is back. That was a great show, by the way. That was was a great show with Jerome. Jerome. It was excellent. Jerome interviews himself. I mean, just basically give him a mic, and he needs to do his own show, and that's all there is to it. Besides, as long as it's alternatism, he was excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Well, he made a point, of course, calling you out about that, which is good. Well, I called him out. I said, you know, Islam versus Islamic totalitarianism. Two syllables versus 11. So less syllables, more truth. But anyway, let's go on. Everyone is invited to go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, and that's where you can find program notes for today's and all of our recent shows. When did I start doing program notes? For months now, I think. Maybe could it be a year? No, it couldn't be a okay. year yet. I don't think I don't think I've been organized Half for a year. year. I mean, I just definitely for a while now, okay. and it, it it helps. I think it helps. I skim them myself sometimes. I, I read them. I didn't have the chance to you read anything. You mean you look at the notes before I, the show? I sometimes? have read the notes, but I was so, you know, preoccupied today. I couldn't literally. Well, some of this you sent me, so you already know a lot of this, and yeah. you're familiar with the news sandwich post that inspired the title for today's show, which is right. when government offers you lemons, grow avocados, and we've talked in the show before about government giving you lemons and how do you make lemonade when our government is basically abusing us all over the place and how do you make your life good and today we're going to be talking about some stories partly we have have a whole bunch of wide variety of stuff to talk about today but some of the stories surround this idea of government trying to give you something that they think is supposedly good for you yeah supposedly and you decide it, usually um, it's good for them usually yeah it, it def- definitely keeps them in power yeah. and you say um no thank you i'm going to do something completely different 
and we have some people who have decided they are going to do that, and they seem to be succeeding. And, of course, we wish that we can do that with respect to other things. So that is part of the theme. Again, go to DontLetItGo.com. Check out all the links. The first thing we do have to talk about, though, is a story that was, I think, with good reason, a pretty prominent story this week, because it came as a shock to everyone, mm. and that is the death, the death by suicide of, yeah. of Robin Williams. And uh, Bosch and I were going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy, thinking, you know, a fun casual night out on a Monday, and got this story. Yeah, right before. And I, I think it put a damper on the enjoyment of the movie, for sure. Yeah. It hit me. It did. And I can't say exactly why. I haven't seen Rob Williams' movies in years. Haven't been interested in I know I, I love Morgan Mindy. You know, it was, it, it was fun. It was wacky. It was it, it was funny. And his earlier movies, you know, he played Popeye. I love Popeye as a kid. I'm wondering if we're in the age group though, where we just and one a friend of mine on Facebook was commenting about this was that the you know in our age group we identify with Robin Williams because we basically watched his whole career from the time we were yeah, kids, right, all the way through. Yeah. You know, so there was the Mork and Mindy when we were kids. He was on Happy Days first. I think that's when right. he made his debut with, right. with the Fonz, right? Right, right. And then... And he blew up. It was a monster. You know, a monster hit. And, you know, I, I don't know the you know the actual chronology of all the different movies, but I really watched and loved Dead Poets Society. Oh, yeah. I watched that a few times. Absolutely. I understand there's been some critique from sure. objectivist circles about that that's movie. That's fine, but, but it was a good movie regardless. Right, right. Uh, that, you know, Goodwill Hunting, you got two mm-hmm. leftist hacks, uh, you know, Matt Damon and uh, Ben Aslick, but it was good, and he was good in there. Um, I'm trying to think of other movies, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, mm-hmm. he was excellent in there, and he was excellent in there. And the one that you were playing, uh, the Moscow on the Hudson? Oh, that was hilarious. Clips from that? Yeah, the one scene, uh, he's being cornered somewhere, and the guy's like, uh, you know, he's worried, and the guy's following him, and then he says, uh, KGB? The guy says, no, G-A-Y, you know. <laughs> so hilarious. The guy was hit on him. He wasn't aware of it. He was looking for the worst, you know, possible situation. I have one clip from Williams that I want to play for you, and it's one that you might not hear too much because it's very politically incorrect. Yeah. And I credit Robert Spencer for putting this out there. And he was doing it mostly because there were a number of jihadists who were celebrating Robin Williams' death. The civilized world mourns his death. The savages celebrate, naturally. And then here's why they celebrate. Yeah, let's go ahead and hear why. One of the fundamental things is in a jihad. That sounds like a country western term, like jihad. (laughs) But if in a jihad you kill an infidel, which I am said to say is all of us, and you yourself die, you go to heaven and you are greeted by 71 dark-haired virgins. Now, anyone who's ever been with one virgin is going, I don't know. For my talent portion, no, 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 no. And recently, there was an article in the New York Times, the Koran scholar said, the actual translation is not 71 dark-haired virgins, but 71 crystal clear raisins. Slight difference in interpretation, really? That's very strange. It's like finding out thou shalt not kill is thou shalt not wear a kilt. And the Scottish are going, fuck off! No! And imagine some guy blows himself up, goes to the gates of heaven saying, where are my bitches? Here are your raisins. 
Or 71 Virgils going, you got a pretty mouth. <laughs> well, one day we get Osama bin Laden, he goes to the gates of heaven. There's George Washington waiting, going, how dare you defile that which we created. And starts wailing on his ass. Seventy other members of the Continental Congress come down and start kicking the shit out of him. And then he's going, what's this where the virgins? Seventy-one Virginians, you asshole. <laughs> And St. Peter goes, hey, Jesus, did you call a cab? Come here. (laughs) Yes. I heard it. Finally, the PC. We crossed the politically correct line. It was okay to beat the shit out of him, but don't do the ethnic joke. (laughs) He's brilliant. Was brilliant. Yeah. I think that was not long after 9-11. And you could tell he he he, he was pissed. As all Americans were. Right, right. So thank you, Robin Williams, for everything that you did. And, and you know, a lot of people couldn't imagine. They were wondering why he did it. And I don't, I don't know that the later news that we got that he was in the early stages of Parkinson's explains it right. that much more. I mean, we don't know. Michael J. Fox is living with Parkinson's. Right. And we don't know. And people want to know. They want to say exactly why. And it's just, you know, it's, we don't know. We weren't there. We were not in his head. Even his best friends probably don't know. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing that you do know, really, as an objectivist, that the only way you would do this is if you've got basically absolutely nothing Nothing. to look forward to. You have more suffering than Life is intolerable. Life is unbearable. And that's the only way out. And it is tragic. And it would have to be really, really awful. It has to be so awful that you can't imagine living another second. So I would, I would attribute it probably to depression in conjunction with some of the other things that were there. But yeah. you know. and then you can understand maybe why. But it's, uh, it was terribly sad, and he did. He brought so much joy to people, and there was story after story after story of him being generous with his time, yeah. with his humor, with his energy. With the troops going overseas, doing shows for them. And that, that must be something else for the troops especially. Right, right. So there's all sorts of jihadists who have said, you know, hope that he burns in the hottest lake of fire mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. It's horrible. Of course, all of us know that there is no lake of fire and they want him to, after death. No, but they, want, they would want him dead anyway. He's an infidel. But, right. you know, once you go out and try to criticize him, then you're even... They want you dead, what, twice? <laughs> twice as much? I guess. Anyway, um, funny. I, I listened to an interview from, with him from 2010 on the WTF uh, podcast. Laugh out loud. A few points in particular. I can't say what it is. It's, it's vulgar, but it's hilarious. And... Um, he gives you a little insight, and he starts. He speaks about uh, the voice, you know, that was telling him some a certain word, a certain act. Mm. And he said, Just, "You know, let's have the conversation later. You know, let's put that aside for now, as if he was talking to himself, his conscience." Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty um, it's pretty telling. The the guy, you know, the host of the show is who? Uh, Mark Marin. He's a he's a stand-up comedian. He must now be horrified. He was choked up. He was that they were discussing this on his show. Absolutely, and he said he thinks 
that show with Robin Williams is what catapulted his podcast. He has millions of listeners, I think a couple of million, two to three million, which is a monster show. And I think he attributed to having um, Robin Williams on his show. That's incredible. Yeah. So if anybody does want to call and talk anything about Robin Williams, but you've probably heard so much of it all week, you're One thing not also really sorry, wanting, but go ahead. You know, uh, some people said, well, he was a Democrat donor, whatever. We never heard any, any of that crap from him. At least I didn't. You know, the kind of the leftist spew, the kind of Matt, the Rat Damon and the others. I haven't heard that. Maybe he did it in some place. I don't th- I just, I don't think he made it into a public issue. Well, and if he was that type of Democrat, then he was a Democrat that's more like Piscopo, who we're going to hear about yeah, today, right. where he still believes in a good foreign policy sense, because yeah. if you're talking that way about Osama bin Laden, you are not Obama. Mm-mm, that's impossible. Making fun of the religion? Never. No, no. no way. No. So, in any event, let's go on to... When government offers you lemons, grow avocados? Okay. So we got some good news here. And this is the thing about news sandwich. I mean, it is kind of a, a downer week in a lot of ways. And it was last weekend, last Saturday. I got kind of inspired to try to have a news sandwich because I wanted to sandwich the horrible news that was coming in about ISIS with some hopefully positive foreign policy news stories. I found one. And I've got a link to that news sandwich on my blog over at don't let it, don't let it go.com. The positive story was that in Egypt, they declared the Muslim Brotherhood to be a terrorist organization, the political wing of the Muslim Brotherhood. They disbanded it. I think they liquidated all of their assets. They call them the Justice and Freedom Party or some such. I mean, they're bad guys, though, yeah, but they, they're not going to come after us or Israel. So whatever. You want to kill each other, you want to live you know, a disgusting lives or whatever. Just don't bother us. But for the better people in Egypt to throw Absolutely. Morsi in to prison... Me, I mean, think about this. This is phenomenal. you got the scum of the earth Muslim Brotherhood, where Al-Qaeda came from. They are the ultimate stealth jihadists. They've been ripped from power, and this has nothing to do with our foreign policy. We wanted them in there. Our government... <laughs> put them in there and the Egyptian government said no I mean maybe it's just a power place like well we want the power whatever they took care of our enemy also theirs and ours kudos excellent, excellent. no excellent. excellent and so in the news sandwich that I did about foreign policy last week I was talking about the fact that you know here we have Jimmy Carter our ex-president who is super destructive of all the values that make American America, great. I have this one cartoon of him. And it's called, I'm not dead yet. You know, you always find out he's not dead by he's trashing us somehow. Well, and apparently he goes around getting huge speaking fees, sure. and he gets a lot of media coverage. He's and in Egypt, they take these guys who are the scum of undermining their country, and they throw them in jail, and they accuse I mean, them fantastic. of links to terrorist organizations. So. They put them where they belong. Yeah. Kill them and put them... Uh, Put him in jail. Now, I'm not saying that we need to kill Jimmy Carter or throw no, him in jail. So don't. Jimmy Carter. I'm but about, I'm just, I'm just wait, saying. Wait, I'm talking about the... Well, right, 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 right. But we're, we're basically praising, look what they're doing. Now, Jimmy Carter is going around spewing all this bile, yeah. right? When doesn't he? Uh, calling for recognition of 
Hamas as a legitimate political organization. The question about Jimmy Carter is, does he hate America or himself more? I mean, I, you know I mean, it's like it's. I mean, self hatred. You know, it's a prerequisite. They, to they go America. hand in hand. Yeah. They go hand in hand, but right? Just in because terms of in America, what, you know, in we uphold of, the right to the pursuit of your own yes. happiness. And if you hate yourself, you don't believe yourself worthy of happiness. So you side with yeah. the scum of the earth who hate us. I mean, he's always apologizing for our enemies. I just. I'm looking forward to the day. I just won't hear from him ever again. That's all. But as for now, yeah. huge speaking fees, lots I mean, of media coverage. A lying rat propaganda for our enemies. Ugh, yeah. Disgusting. Creature. Anyway, so that was one new sandwich, and I managed to sandwich the news about mm. ISIS in between the story about Egypt, and then I had to find just a completely random story about Denmark. They had this wonderful well, about bicycle this. trail. I got to say, yeah. you, if you seek out good news, you'll find it. I mean, you will find it. There is good news out there. That's the whole thing. If, if you seek it out, you're going to find it. Well, I actually found it yesterday on Drudge. I found enough good news on Drudge. Drudge. Usually he sits there and has all this horrible yeah, sensationalist garbage. It's really, some of yeah. it is really ugly. <laughs> Nielsen in the chat room says, how do I get paid to speak? I won't rant like an idiot like Carter. <laughs> nor nor do I, nor do I. Hundreds of thousands of dollars for Clintons and Obama. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say I've got, I've got one speaking engagement for the fall, one speaking engagement for the winter. Huh. Still available to get one in the spring. So, again, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com. Write me if you guys have an organization in the spring where I can come out and visit and give a talk. Definitely into that. Um, hi, Freedom Breeze. Joined in over here in the chat room. Welcome, welcome, welcome. But yeah, I found enough good news on Dredge, which is crazy. Yeah. So, so the first story is one that so many people on the Don't Let It Go on Herd page were excited about, and that is the story that in North Carolina, there's been a surge in homeschooling. Now, the surge is attributed to the fact that the parents are rejecting Common Core. They think Common Core is horrible. But I think that it's good all around that they are staying out of the government schools. I mean, those of us who listen to the show, we know, yes, Common Core is bad, but it is just the latest in the government takeover of education that's been going on for decades, over 100 years. It, I mean, once you institute the idea that education is going to be, quote, provided by the government, by means of theft out of our pockets with our tax money, once you institute that the government's going to be in control of it, you're going to have increasing control and then eventually increasing centralized control over it, which is what Common Core is. What they want to do is they say, well, look, you know, if everyone's got a right to an education, we have to make sure that the education all over the country is equal, that some kids in Massachusetts aren't getting it better than some kids in Texas, and et cetera. So, I mean, Common Core is, and seems to be bad. It's more control. It's more centralized control over education, so it's bad. But it is not different in kind than anything that's been going on before, and yet it is sparking a huge outrage. So it seems to somehow go over a line, sort of like the line that Robin Williams was saying. He's saying, okay, now I've gone over the PC line. Well, now you've gone over whatever the parents think is copacetic, so it's another PC line. It's the parents' copacetic line. They say this is no longer copacetic. We are not putting up with this. We are going to take this leap and homeschool. And in fact, I think there are more children homeschooled in 
North Carolina than there are children attending private schools. Part of that is due to um, part of that is due to finances for these parents. They just can't afford private schools because of the Obama economy. But part of it is probably because they like having the individualized control over education. And a lot of people know too with the internet. There are so many options for parents who want to homeschool. There's a lot of assistance out there for them. Mystery Science that we've spoken about on this show is a resource now for parents who maybe want to homeschool their kids in science. There's just a ton of companies looking to take advantage. And the savvy parent or the parent who has savvy other family members who can help them can find a lot of great resources and do it. So here they are. There are over 180,000 children total between the homeschool and the private school people, 180,000 children in North Carolina who are attending either private schools or homeschools, rejecting government schools, no longer being indoctrinated by government schools. So this is a reason to cheer. And what I talked about in the news sandwich was in the article, they said, well, you know, now that there's been this outrage about Common Core, the state of North Carolina is going to have a little piece of legislation that's going to get rid of some of the most egregious parts of Common Core. Of course, keep other parts, right? And maybe they think that that's going to correct the so-called problem and then the parents are just going to put their kids back in the school. But I'm hoping that since the parents have gone to the trouble to learn how to homeschool their kids, they're not as intimidated by it as they were before they jumped in. You know, they're feeling comfortable with it. They probably like having more control over their children's education. That even if North Carolina tweaks on the edges of this common core, gets rid of some of it, that maybe they'll choose to keep their kids out of the government schools. That would be excellent. I mean, think about that. 180,000 children, Bosch, That's in North Carolina. A lot. No government schools. Now, some of the private schools are bad. Yeah. Some of the home schools are bad. True. I would guess that the home but schools are probably the government better. schools, <laughs> that's yeah. the point. They are bad. Yeah. So, anyway, of course, the end game is get everybody out of government schools. It is. That is, that is, that is one of the avenues that and is some necessary argue, well, to save Well, there are some good country. government schools that, yeah, they might be less bad than the others, but so what? But see, then, then it comes down to the issue of the whole idea of government schools is immoral. And that is one of the many arguments that C. Bradley Thompson makes yeah. in his new abolitionism is the issue of the immorality of the schools, regardless of their practicality, Absolutely. whether there happens to be good content or pedagogy in a particular school. It is immoral for the compulsory education component to, to occur, and it's also immoral to take money by force in order to pay for this education that nobody chose. And the less bad schools, less bad government schools, uh, you know, make this evil thing look good. It's like the quote-unquote modern Muslims. They make, you know, the ISIS makes them look good, and therefore, well, Islam's fine. That's how yeah. people think. No. It's like when they did charter schools. Well, it's still... Right run by government right. in the end, although they allow some private involvement. You know, it's, it's like basically China allowing a little bit of capitalism right. here or there, little pockets right. of, of free market exchange in order to survive. The way that the public school, excuse me, government school system right. has survived is by allowing a little bit of private institution involvement in, for example, charter schools and things like that. And otherwise, I think they would have been gone long ago. Probably. 
especially in some areas like New Jersey where we've heard a lot of problems there. So it's nice. We can still today choose homeschooling. There are laws, you know, requiring that you do certain things if you homeschool your kids. So there's certain hoops that you have to jump through. The government will still try to discourage you. If you know, and, and the laws change from state to state, and I'm about to learn all of that because I'm going to actually teach education law in the spring, which I'm excited about to to actually learn some of the specifics. I'll probably get sick sometimes, but we'll <laughs> see. Anyway. Um, but it's good for us to, to know all these things. And the the thing with it, though, is that you still have a lot of control over the content and the pedagogy that your children are exposed to. What I say in the news announcement is I wish that we could have such a thing with Obamacare. Absolutely. Obamacare, I, you know, we just got the latest bit of news that Obamacare is going to cost more even more than what? they've been telling us. I mean, we, you Wait, know, they lied. Well, I mean, they've already delayed and rewritten so much of it. But another part that they've no, but delayed. This is not the bill that they passed. They, no. you know, I mean, they didn't even know what they passed. That's no. the problem. No, and and the, well, they knew it was bad, so they're like, well, pass it, and then whatever. And when they when it get worse. Well, and even if they had kept it exactly as it was, of course, whether it was going to save money. I think they said they, it was going to save us money. Yeah, right. All of that depended on their unrealistic projections that they always bake into these bills, right? But they have delayed so many portions of this yeah. so-called revenue earning, meaning stealing uh, out of our pockets portions these, of the bill. Uh, the one that they talked about in the article that I was discussing in the news sandwich is the so-called Cadillac tax. The Cadillac tax is now not going to kick in, I believe, till 2018. They have delayed it uh, from what it was going to be. I guess, you know, they would like to, the Democrats would like to be elected in 2016, mm-hmm. so they're doing everything they can. Sure. But what is happening already is employers are starting to cut back on the insurance policies that they're offering their employees. So they're offering higher deductible policies. Um, maybe policies that don't have as much coverage, whatever they can do right. to make the policy a bit cheaper and therefore avoid the so-called Cadillac tax. Right. That means you've got some luxury health insurance, which means you actually want quality health care. Yes. Um, they are doing everything they can to equalize yep. everyone down to the same Except for level. politicians, though. Politicians will get the top You know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help thinking about Obamacare this week when I heard that a friend of mine had a family member in the hospital for complications from a tonsillectomy. Mm. And the way that they have been treated makes Mm. me wonder if the people involved were trying to do some cost-cutting. Tonsillectomies, if if they're done on either a teenager or an adult. It's an outrage. um, They are very complicated surgeries, and they can have a lot of complications with them. And the frustration. People who know think that you should routinely keep them in the hospital, and yet this person was sent home, and then the following day started having complications. They phoned in. And the doctors that they spoke to said, oh, no, everything's no problem. Now this person is in the hospital probably for a week with a serious At complication. Least. And all of us are, are uh, pulling. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is results of Obamacare. I've heard another friend last several weeks said explicitly it was because of Obamacare that no her grandparent was not being treated well. 
so that's the bad news. Is, is, is that, is that you know, there is no, quote, homeschooling alternative to Obamacare. We have the homeschooling alternative to the government right. schools. If you're willing to already, you know, pay all the taxes that go to the exactly. government schools and right. then pay even more yeah. for either private schools or staying home to homeschool but your child, you, figure it's worth you, it, you can you know? do it. But we can't do that with health care. First yeah. of all, we have to buy that insurance. All the doctors are being pushed into the system. They're being told that they have to all report into this big database. The database is used to control how doctors can treat you. Or they're you. shrugging. Or maybe they're shrugging. But, you know, maybe if, if you are a doctor and you have a full-time nursing staff on call and you have hospital equipment in your home, you can have right. a right. <laughs> an analogy to home right. But we don't have these resources. No. This is terrible, so... In any event, you know, I, I like this position, Bosch, where I'm sitting here. Good. I'm very comfortable. The only problem is is that I'm not looking at the chat room nearly as much as I would like to. So right. are you keeping an oh, eye yeah. on it? I'll okay. Yeah. i got to turn my head over here. We'll look over every so often and uh, yeah. door, door between stories. Check them out. Definitely do. So the good news. What was the good news? Because, again, good, the whole thing with News Sandwich is I'm trying to take this horrible, disgusting news and sandwich it between two items of good news to make it more palatable. Does is that I mean does that really work? I guess if you have a really disgusting like chunk of meat in the middle of like that barbecue pork. Well, it's a, rec- it's a recognition of the reality that we're in. We're, we live in a pretty bad time, yeah. and we're trying to hold on. And there are some good stuff going on. There's a whole lot of bad stuff, and that's the whole point. It's the recognition of where we are. You know, you can't be a Pollyanna and have, uh, you know what, it's all great stories all the time. It's BS. Things I, are not going on. I did, I did love this story, though. Here's an entrepreneur in China, and he did not like paying employees who complained, took long breaks, you know, didn't really do their jobs well. Vacations. They had to have vacations. <laughs> they called in sick. Right. And so he invented a robot. To, do the, their, their to job. do the job of some of the employees in his restaurant. Apparently, these robots can cook and deliver food, and each costs only $6,500. Now, in China, $6,500 is the salary right. of an employee. Not here, but yeah. here in the United States, though, think about that. 6500 is less than half mm. of a salary of a full-time employee in a fast food restaurant, and that's not even counting the additional taxes right. and if they have to pay for benefits and all those kinds of things, right? So imagine they buy these robots here at your local McDonald's, Carl's Jr., right. right? Even some other places. And in terms of cooking food, you know, you were asking, Bosh, how could they cook food? Yeah. You've basically got, I think, the robot over a particular griddle and just time, stirring. Yeah. yeah, stirring. Right. Because sometimes there is cooking they won't that just be, involves they won't be rude stirring either. or sautéing. They won't be rude, and they'll do the job, so that's not bad. I mean, he says, he says, look, he says, uh, here, here's some qualifications of the robot. The robots can understand 40 everyday sentences, which might be more than some of the employees, uh, right. depending. Believe me, I went to fast food and thinking, this is supposed to be fast food? It took a little too long. It's slow food. Yeah, they, they can't get sick or ask for vacation. And it says, after charging up for two hours... They can work for five hours. That's right. That's right? right. And and because here in the United States, I mean, all you you could buy two of these, and you're still 
paying less than the employee. Being, so you've got one charging, the other one out on the floor. He's being celebrated by American leftists. Was this, yeah. You know, the people who commented when I put this on Facebook, they had it exactly right, which is that the government's going to try to ban this. I mean, Obama's already been complaining about the ATM machines taking away jobs. Yeah. Imagine, yeah. imagine the complaints from Obama well, if one single restaurant in the entire country here in the United States How about does this. The White House, the Oval Office. Just put the robot. Yes. <laughs> just, just sit there. You know? Does it play golf? Yeah, yeah, and it plays well, probably. No, but just you know, what do you think? Exchange them. Uh, forty, forty everyday sentences. Absolutely, that, that's Half better enough. than yeah. more than a, we don't need. Uh, so I mean, you know, I I do like that some restaurants here are adding the minimum wage surcharge to the tab. I think that's good. George Takei tried to make this post about, uh, oh, I don't want politics oh, with my. Th-. It's like you just want to evade. He's Mr. Politics, also. Give me a break. Yeah. But uh, Stuart writes uh, from the Puffington Host uh, <laughs> that they're they're bemoaning the robots. They're calling it Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. Oh I love it. I love it. I, I mean, I think this guy in China deserves to make all kinds Absolutely. of money. And I hope he still keeps his restaurant open just for the fun and novelty, but he'll probably be able to afford not to once he sells them. I hope he comes here. Yeah. Come to America. Come to America. Flourish. Train all of the restaurateurs <laughs> in the robot. I mean, I, right. I don't know. How would you feel? I mean, if, if it's a fast food restaurant, you'd think this is wonderful. For a fast food restaurant, yes. Even kind of a mid-ish level, like low-mid-level restaurant, you might think it's you a like novelty. A, like a what? Like, I don't know, a Ruby's, for right. instance. Right. Right? Yeah, it's a little more. It, it, robots are cute, that, yeah. and they Look, bring if, over if some they of your stuff. they do their job without, you know, bugging us. Yeah, it's true. And without giving us that, I don't want to be here face, you know, right? Like some workers give you. I don't know. I don't. I mean, they probably also wouldn't get as mad when people are on their cell phones instead of ordering their food. And robots wouldn't. Yeah, not as mad. Not as mad. <laughs> right. <laughs> They'd have some kind of programmed in response. As long as, long as they don't have their own iPhones. You know? One of the forty sentences is, "Get off your phone, you jerk, <laughs> and order." That's right. <laughs> Haven't you looked at the off. menu yet, yet? You slacker. No. Um, but I mean, think about it. You don't have to buy a healthcare plan for robots. You know, you do have to get maintenance on them, but I think that's it. So I, I, I like this, you know, and, and for me, I do think, yes, go ahead and put a minimum wage surcharge on your tab. If you are a restaurant owner, go ahead and show the customer the cost of this. But if you want to choose robots and just say, Hey, I'll just put a bunch of people out of a job. These are cute. Makes the same point. Give no lip. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could have like a canned response. You know, why why do we have a robot instead of a real person? Right. Um, minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Minimum wage. Right. So I think that was great. This is a you know example. Government is saying, okay, you know, we're giving you all these rules. We're giving you innovative response. He's we're like, gi- you know, okay. Government schools. Mandatory minimum wage, and they say, no, 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 we're just going to go make our little avocados yeah, now. You're going to cut into my profits. I'm going to figure something out. And now I feel bad because Stuart, who's here in the chat room, sent me a story that would have been perfect on this theme. Well, we could have it on the show now. Well, we're going to have it on the show now. And so again, if you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you can see a link to this story. And I give a little hat tip to Stuart. I'm not always great about giving hat tips to people. There's a lot of people who send me stories. So thank you if I haven't done it yet. But 
I love this story. Rolling in money, the headline, man makes toll road to get around road work. Right, excellent. It says, after a road was closed for months, local businessman Mike Watts built his own in 10 days, allowing people to bypass the 14-mile diversion. So when, when are they going to shut him down? That's the whole question. I mean, it, it always comes to my mind, you know? You know, Stuart, I don't know if you've heard. Do you have a follow-up on this, Stuart? Because I am wondering whether the government would try to shut, shut him down. Uh, well, of course, they will try. But will they? And will it happen? You know, that's the whole question. The other thing I like about this is this is in the U.K., Yeah. right? Exactly. So the U.K., which in terms of economic freedom index is below United States, not but too far some, below, surprisingly, but below the United States. In, in some ways, it might be better off. I mean, in some ways. You know, I don't know what they, what those ways are, but well, again, I know some countries it, it, across the world are better off than us in certain ways. Maybe, maybe if they are less free for some people there who still have a sense of their own freedom, mm-hmm. they... They say, look, this has crossed the line for me. And this guy says, look, you know, I can make money here. This is, this is the story. He says, a grandfather sick of roadworks near his home defied his counsel and built his own toll road, allowing people to circumvent the disrupted section. And how much Opened time on, do these people save? How much time do they save? They get to bypass a 14-mile diversion. That's fantastic. Yeah. Open on Friday, it's the first private toll road built since cars became a familiar sight on British roads 100 years ago. First private toll road. Motorists pay two pounds, which I don't know how much two Sorry, pounds is. Sorry, if the government comes after him, you know what he could say to, to, to back him off? Allahu Akbar. I mean, I'm Muslim. That's it. You know, no, just say, oh, okay. And he, then he should um, come here in California, take care of the highways here. Oh, I'm Muslim. Oh, okay. Anything you want. <laughs> Um, they pay two pounds, they travel each way, and they bypass the 14-mile diversion. He hired a crew of workmen. He plowed uh, a whole 150,000 pounds of his own cash into building a 365-meter-long bypass road. It's just a short bypass road in a field next to this closed freeway. He says he reckons it'll cost another 150,000 in upkeep costs and to pay for two 24-hour-a-day toll booth operators. He thinks too, he says too many people are displaced by the road closure. Their daily lives have been so disrupted by this. The A431 between Bristol and Bath was closed February after a landslip caused huge cracks to appear in the road. And then, of course, as government does, you know, they go out there. Oh, yeah, we're going to fix it. And then we'll take a coffee break for a while. And then we'll work on it a little bit more and take another coffee break. And what is this? Which one? State of Defiance. Mm-hmm. Oh, he says, I just bet that road was built by a robot. <laughs> That's right. It's a roadbot. <laughs> a roadbot? <laughs> That's right. Excellent. Anyway, good for him. This is wonderful. And um, this is, I mean, this is great. Actually, the guy, he's a father of four. He asked his friend if he would mind renting him the field until Christmas and hired the three workmen, what? just three workmen, to help build the road in just 10 days. Wow. Good for them. Absolutely. Good for them. Take that initiative. Yeah. So the government's like, oh, you, you have to wait for us. You have to take this no, But the government wants to waste as much months, time as they waste. Yeah. You know, and the one, you know, it's like the uh, Love Company. We're, we waste our, our, you know, we waste our lives. We want you to do the same thing. If anyone wants to talk about any of the they stories do, that we have nothing. today, they call. They do nothing to stifle traffic. They don't. 
No. They make it worse. No, we suffer in traffic all the time. If you'd like to talk about any of these, call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. If you want to get a preview of the stories we've got planned here, go to DontLetItGo.com. So let's go to a couple of stories on the theme of liberals who are disillusioned right now. Mm-hmm. I love these disillusioned liberals. Uh-huh. Now, they're not perfect by no any means. Way. But Most of what they say is like, oh, man, they're still there. But they're willing to make a break with it. They're willing to look at, it, at some things at least right. and say, this is, this is wrong. Now, the first one is Joe Piscopo, Confessions of a Disillusioned Democrat. And I'm not sure how well I'm going to be able to scroll through this story because Washington Times is getting to be a real mm. pain in the butt. Actually, well, let me put it, put it on the reader, right? Reader yeah, works? yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Here yeah. we go. So um, Joe Piscopo writes this little piece about confessions of a disillusioned Democrat. And now my reader thing is gone. I don't like it. He says, I'm a Democrat. I've been a Democrat my entire life. He says, I used to utter those two sentences with pride and would shout them from the highest rooftops. Now I'm almost embarrassed to say those words. He says, I almost can't articulate my political affiliation in public or on the radio without immediately offering an apology and an explanation. And what it really comes down to is he's decided that the Democrat Party is, in fact, un-American, right? Uh Well, they are. I'm glad he he recognized that. And he believes, first of all, that basically the Democrats used to be a party that believed in civil rights. Well, and they were the party of slavery. And, uh, you know, I mean, they, they were, the Republicans were the ones who were, who were for civil rights. Right. So that's, and, that's just BS. And, and as I said... Yeah, certainly Piscopo is totally not perfect. Yeah, yeah. He believes that they were from the civil rights, you know, and more the Republican politicians were out for Jim out Crow of touch. Democrats. They cared for only the upper class, and he was saying, you know, if you compare someone like an Ed Koch, Ed Koch was honestly a decent leader. I mean, he was, and you know, just just in terms, just a small example, he hated what happened in nine eleven. He hated the enemy. He knew that they were coming for us and coming for Jews, and he supported Israel. He was a very old-school American Democrat, and that—that—that that, that, that is long gone. It's over, right. especially especially Obamacare. That's who they are now. They are the Socialist Communist Party. They're, they're anti-American party, and Ed Koch was a different breed. Definitely, and definitely. I even did a, a drawing for Ed Koch. Just just give him a little wink and say, you know what, good, because he was a a decent. A decent leader. There's, there are different kinds of liberals. And John F. Kennedy, he cites John F. Kennedy as understanding that we need a lower marginal yes, tax rate. Yes, and he did say that. Than we have. And he talks about having been inspired by Reagan as a leader. Interesting. That he's not inspired by anybody that he thought Ed Koch, and he respected Ed Koch because Ed Koch could host Saturday Night Live yes. where he was a star just as good as anybody. So he felt like, here's a real guy. So he... And this is... He, he doesn't think that Democrats can hold themselves, but the thing that he really rails on is the issue of foreign policy as well. Um, Just give me uh, – I made a, uh, Ed Couch uh, drawing, and uh, I quoted him. He says, you punch me, I punch back. I do not believe it's good for one's self-respect to be a punching bag. And that's not today's Democrat. No. I mean, they're just, they're, they are punching bags, and, or, or and they today, go after us. Or even today's Republicans. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is that he is – now calling himself an independent. Right, right. He's not willing to go Republican. I don't, I don't blame him. 
he he says no, he hopes that the Republicans get a majority this year. The Democrats are so bad that the Republicans, even so, even though though, though they suck, right. they're still going to win. They probably will. They're probably going to win uh, the SA. Probably will because the Democrats are just so blatantly bad. Yep, yep. And he says, I'm, I'm hopeful that we, the people, will wake up and strongly feel with heart and soul what my family always instilled in me and what is sadly absent in many of today's political leaders, the love, the appreciation, and the unapologetic pride of being an American. That's not a Democrat. No. That is not a Democrat. No. So he can say he's a Democrat, but... He can say that all he wants, but they don't speak in those terms. But he, again, not even a Republican. And, no. and he's, you know, dare, dare I say libertarian? So... No, good for him. He's, he's, yeah. He started thinking, clearly. He started thinking. And then this is what happens. You get the hell out of the Democrat Party, first thing. And then who knows, you know, after. And but then, good for him that he's not diving with the, with the Republicans. I mean, good for him, seriously. No, no, no. Uh, you, do, you do not jump in. You keep your distance and you say, hey, what are you guys going to be doing? Uh-huh. What, what, what are your policies? Like, Republicans will not initiate, you know, Obamacare. They won't have mm-hmm. Bush care. They won't do well, that, but well, they'll completely be cool with it once some, it's established. One, one thing that he said, he says, even though they have their own lack of solutions, you know, everyone always criticizes the Republicans for not proposing yeah. an actual solution. And, you know, I was looking at some Ayn Rand bot quotes today because I'm putting together the Ayn Rand bot app right. that's coming very soon. And in one of them, Rand talks about the fact that the thing that defeats the conservatives is the lack of a consistent political philosophy. That's just paraphrasing. Yeah. It's not the exact. But it's true. They, ju- they just don't have it. And Piscopo says, look, even though the Republicans don't have anything affirmative going on, nonetheless, he's hoping for them to take over the majority because he's so disillusioned. With the Democrats. Then we have Dana Milbank. Tell me about Dana Milbank, Bob. Dana Milbankrupt, as uh, Mark Levin calls him. He's a piece of crap. He's uh, pro Obama, you know, and whatever. Well, but he was pro Obama? He's, he's been a pro Obama for, I mean, since Obama began. He's been Mr. Obama's, whatever, at the Washington Post. But he's also uh, uh, bugged. I mean, I think Obama's embarrassing these guys, and I think they have to go out there on the record and say, guys, remember, I was not. Totally happy with him once. Right. That's that's what they're doing. They're only saving the rights. Well, this is less than just totally happy. Yeah. I mean, look at this headline. The headline is Obama vacations as the world burns, yeah. and it's just a photo, but it's taken almost right. I mean, if you take the headline together with the photo, they should have had your graphic right. on it, where Obama is golfing Nero. in the middle of the of the fire. world actually burning. But yeah, here's a picture of Obama on the golf course under this headline. And it says, uh, President Barack Obama follows through on a swing while golfing at such and such golf club and the blah, blah, blah. Um, he's got the two-week summer vacation. He, and Milbank says, President Obama must be really teed off. Hillary Rodden Clinton, his once loyal Secretary of State and his likeliest successor, has gone rogue, criticizing his foreign policy as too timid. Obama responded with not one but two rounds of golf. Uh, Clinton gave a withering comment on the Obama doctrine, described in shorthand by White House officials as "Don't do stupid." S H. You mean uh, the, the wife of the guy who let Osama bin Laden go three times? Oh yeah, that one, and the one who basically allowed Americans to die in uh, Benghazi. That one. Yeah, okay. yeah. And this is Hillary Clinton quote: "Great nations need organizing principles, and don't do stupid stuff is not an organizing principle." <sighs> of course, idiot. say what hers. What are her? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when the criticism became public, Obama was doggedly 
sticking with his plans to go on vacation, a decision that, if not in the category of stupid stuff, could fit under the category of tone deafness, etc. So and uh, Washington you know, Times. Now we, you know, we like Obama on vacation as long as he's not plotting our destruction while he's on vacation. That's the whole thing. And but yeah. also, there's there's a vacuum. We have not had a president yeah. for six, seven it years. Is, it's getting to the point where we have not had a president. Not having a president is is he's the anti-president. Him. You know, they say he's the worst president. He's the least president. That's the whole point. And you need you need that. You need someone to represent the country, and he he doesn't. And also, Washington Times, there was a story that they said he's going to out-golf Tiger Woods by, I think, May of 2015. He will have out-golfed a professional golfer. That's how much he golfs. It's shocking. I mean, it really is. The and and, and what he tries to say, he does business while he golfs because he golfs yeah. with people that he's talking yeah, yeah. to. Is that the idea? Who knows? Who knows? Look, he wants to golf. Look, he wants to enjoy himself while he's destroying us he's not he's a nihilist yes but he also wants to enjoy himself you know? the hedonist nihilist thing yeah, that we were talking hedonist, about right hedonist nihilist that's what he is enjoy life and take this country down and let the world go go to hell i didn't even put the article in here but i was talking with you the other day about the electrical grid attack that our country is susceptible <sighs> to which news outlet was it putting was uh, hot air and yeah. wall street journal Mm-hmm. And it's scary because you know it can happen because of who's in the White House, because of who we have in Washington right. in general. So, so as much as we say, oh, we like Obama out golfing. Mm. You need yeah. someone who cares about the well-being of the country. And we don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So here we have two disillusioned Democrats. It doesn't do us a whole lot of good because Obama is in the White House. He's the non-commanding commander-in-chief, the yeah. golfer-in-chief, as you like to call yeah. him. I said a golfer-in-chief. Lo- he loves America the way Tiger loved his wife. You know, that's, that's how much he loves America. Freedom Breeze in the chat room says, I think his most hedonistic moments are when he's thinking of ways to destroy us. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. <sighs> Obama is a putz. P-U-T-T-S is state defiance here in the chat. Oh, my gosh. You know, this next piece that I have here, again, go to my blog, Don't Let It Go. It's late. I'm sorry, guys. Don't Let It Go.com. I'm not going to try to say that quickly ever again. It's going to be Don't Check out my blog also. I made some tributes to Rob Williams as well. Faustin.blogspot.com. I can't speak. Faustin.blogspot.com. Also, just one update about the Marvel's Muslim superhero, the writer. Uh, she went out on a, she went out on a limb. This um, post 9/11 Muslim convert, I, I believe she was a leftist, and she is a leftist in a lot of ways. She talks about LGBT issues as a Muslim. Anyway, she sent out there in parentheses. Keep in mind, EFF ISIS. Seriously, you're not supposed to curse during Ramadan, but EFF them, F them. Caliphate my left one, uh, her left one. So I wrote, I said, F ISIS, with the question mark, I said, you might as well be saying F Islam because ISIS is following in the bloody footsteps of your prophet. And I added one last thing. I said, also, instead of just tweeting in parentheses, quote, unquote, F ISIS, when can we expect your Muslim superior, quote, unquote, to take on ISIS? When will she put her that would be tweets in her stories? That when? would be a sight. She wouldn't do it. No. No, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, there is no jihad in comics except for in your and Frank Miller's That's it. work. And apparently Frank Miller has wimped out on a little. 
his New York Times today. He was uh, the New York Times brought up Holy Terror, and he said, "Well, it's not necessarily his uh, political beliefs." Uh, that's your story. What do you mean it's not necessarily his? I don't, that doesn't make sense. Well, and then here, here is, right. here's the point, right? If if it is not your political beliefs you would not take a risk of putting Absolutely it in a right. comic. That you don't I mean, believe in. Remember, when he put it out before, didn't he say, I'm ready for my fat yes, law? Yes, I'm ready. And look. So he knew I'm that gonna, there's... I'm going to write what, I, what I've been writing for the infidel. If and I not believe it? it? Okay. <laughs> it's just, you put it on the line. You tell the truth as you know it. And uh, he... A, a little backtrack there. You know, this, this next piece that I wanted to talk about is one that... Rob Abiera sent, and he brought it to the Don't Let It Go on Her page on Facebook. And when I first saw it, I avoided reading it because the title is, Is Thinking Obsolete? Is That's think, the title. Is Thinking Obsolete? Is Thinking Obsolete, written by Thomas Sowell, a smart guy, yes. right? So he's I thought, overall very good. Sometimes he's dead wrong about certain things, but he's very good. Overall. Well, and so I thought this is going to be like a big thing, cultural piece about People don't think at all anymore, and it turns out it's kind of a collection of political positions held by a lot of people that show that they're not thinking very well. Right. But so he limits it to that. Yeah, it's more about that, and and it's just very kind of cute, tongue in cheek. Is anybody thinking anymore? But I was really worried. He says, you know, basically we're. He says growing evidence suggests that we are in a post-thinking era. And then he says, many people in Europe and the Western Hemisphere are staging angry protests against Israel's military action in Gaza. So there's that issue. Um, just speaking of that, can I just uh, just uh, mention this one thing that I got retweeted a lot today? Sure. But Israel wants peace. Hamas wants a Jew-free world. So I got a nice retweet for that. Tammy mm-hmm. Bruce and Smollett, thank you. And then he talks about illegal immigration, you know, and basically how it's so racist if we don't want people here. And and Seoul himself emphasizes that a lot of these people might be carrying deadly diseases, so that's his concern. So he's saying, you know, oh, you know, is Drudge really trying to start a civil war? You know, no, that's ridiculous. And and these people just aren't thinking very well. So immigration issue. And then the other issue that he talks is minimum wage. Also, unthinking reaction to the issue of minimum wage laws. He says, although liberals are usually gung-ho for increasing the minimum wage, there's a sympathetic front page piece from the San Francisco Chronicle about the plight of a local nonprofit organization that will not be able to serve as many low-income minority youths if it has to pay a higher minimum wage because it can't hire as many employees. And this nonprofit wants an exemption from the minimum wage. And then he says, well, doesn't it occur to you that the same thing happens to for-profit places and duh, basically. So he's just saying because people are taking stupid positions on a few issues, therefore we're in the post-thinking world. So it was not the overall commentary on the culture. It was three different political issues and people were taking dumb positions and so haha aren't we in the post thinking era I was really I was worried I was thinking obsolete that he's going to talk about you know how our kids don't have any abstract reasoning skills or something horrible yeah people are holding dumb positions but again there's the 180,000 kids in North Carolina who are not in the government schools so I would say no thinking is not obsolete Thomas Sowell but I mean it's, it's a good angle it's definitely a good angle. I like this other angle by a liberal on the issue of Hamas and Israel. Alan Dershowitz, what? 
supporting Hamas is anti-Semitic, and he talks about the whole history, well, right? As uh, listener Ed Powell said, uh, supporting Hamas is suicidal, and also anti-anti-anti-Semitic. It's as I call this antiseptic term. Is Jew hatred, hardcore, murderous Jew hatred. Well, and, and you and other people were also pointing out that it's not even accurate because the Semitic yeah. people yeah, sometimes are they get, people they refer from to, the region, exactly. right? So, so on, a, on a technicality, it could be that. So it's, it's just flat-out Jew hatred, murderous Jew hatred. You know, Jews want to live. Hamas doesn't want them to live. I still like posting this on my Facebook page because, look, you've got Alan Dershowitz, a respected Look, figure, that's the whole thing. If you can get putting the history Democrats, in front of people, putting history in front of people. get some Democrats to take good positions on major issues, always a good thing, despite their other flaws. Bill Maher is excellent about Islam. Excellent. He's very good about Israel even lately. Uh, he's a leftist hack. I mean, a reliably leftist when it comes to Obama stuff, but certain ways he's good. And if you can get that, good, because they will make their audience think twice about their illusions. Like, well, wait a minute. Maybe there's something there. Right, right. No, and I would would hope so. I mean, I know that there are people on my Facebook who probably avoided clicking the link. And it's too bad for them because, look, here's the truth. And here's some of the history. I'm quoting from Dershowitz here. He Um, he probably gets crap from his uh, colleagues and friends, no doubt about it. But but he's always been pretty supportive of uh, Israel, always has been. He says, Hamas is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Muslim Brotherhood. You know, the same one that in Egypt is declared a terrorist organization? Yeah. And they're behind CARE mm-hmm. also, just for record. They're behind CARE. Yeah. That's so, their political wing. Wholly owned subsidiary of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is an outgrowth of the German Nazi Party. Muslim Brotherhood is an outgrowth of the German Nazi Party. The Brotherhood, writes Dershowitz, was founded in 
So if for some reason there happens to be somebody who supports Hamas, who is completely disconnected from the true nature of this organization, go look at the link. Go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com, and click on the story, Supporting Hamas is Anti-Semitic, and read from one of the top scholars in the country, Alan Dershowitz, yourself. He has done his research, even if he presents it in too antiseptic language, yeah, does. in your does opinion. He, yeah, because he can go. Is, that is a very damning article. No doubt about it. And it's good because, again, it will make the left think twice about sticking to the illusions. They will, you know, Dershowitz is writing this. And please, and please do I share that article you know, around. Share I can't that condemn article. Them as a right winger, you know what I mean? They can't do this. Like Mar, I can't get them as a right winger. Hmm, maybe there's something to this. That's important. When you get uh, again these individuals who are on the left, on dead right about a certain issue, always good, always good. Don't ever pretend. Well, they have these old things. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know that. These are major issues, and they're and they're right. You know, they might not do it in the full throttle way that we do, but so what? They, they bring the truth out in an, in an important way. I do. I urge everybody, share that article. Share that article. Supporting Hamas is anti-Semitic. It is just a no-nonsense piece with photographic support for the history that it recites. And it, it is it's very damning. And I think people... Do in general? I mean, most people, I think, are on the side of Israel in this conflict in the United States. Is that right? I think so. Um, I mean, there, some of the left scum are not, like uh, Jonathan Honig and uh, the, the photojournalism, again, Twitter. Okay, now, let's clarify. Jonathan Honig is pro-Israel. Yes. Okay, yes. but you're talking about the people who Jonathan Honig has photographed. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't. Uh... Yeah, you said like Jonathan Honig. Do not, do not Whoa, misrepresent Jonathan Honig. Um, he took a picture of this one that he said, uh, "Well, you know, he, he showed a picture of this lady, cartoonist for Palestine." She was smiling. He goes, "What would Pigman do?" I said, "He would throw up, then throw down." You know, uh, but he's been doing a great service because the media wouldn't touch that. He's been taking photos of their books, their Jew hatred books. Um, and they don't want that out there. They, they think the you media know, he, won't pick he, it up. He's been doing such a good job, and I was really bummed for no, him. Plus, he's, he's there yeah, in the mud yeah. with these scum. No, and, 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 and every, it's potentially dangerous. every week on Cashing In, he tells the truth. Yes, yes just it does. the unadulterated truth, and, yes, and, he, and he gets so oh, much man. hate tweets and hate I everything. I got to say, I mean, I, I read some of the stuff, Jonathan, that is... Well, hardcore. I mean, I got to say, though, I mean, if you get to the level when a guy tells you you're the reason why I won't feel bad when we all die in nuclear holocaust, maybe. I mean, I'm just, you know, like Robert Spencer, uh, a, a guy wrote him, I wish Allah would take your spine and rip it out and put it back in and take it and rip it out. But I told Robert, I said, I, I got to say, I think I, I think I beat you, you know, in terms right. of, you know what I mean, yeah. in terms of uh, the threat. Okay, you, <laughs> you had to get that in there. I have to. You had to. But I wanted to say, I mean, John, I wanted to say. Those, those. Those, those, those were hardcore. hardcore. And, and here's the thing. I think he's such a trooper that it was just robbery the other day that he did not get the ALS water challenge right. given to him. Now, Michelle right. Fields, who's a co-host something. I don't Red, know what they uh, call them on Cashing In. I don't think I don't they, know what they the call panel, panel or something, okay. a, a co-panelist. Yeah. So on Cashing In, she's the regular along with Jonathan and, and some other people on Saturdays on Fox on Cashing In. And she did the challenge in, I would say, warm water. 
I, I, I don't know. I did not see ice in that water, let me just say, okay? But um, she tried to nominate five people, and in the ALS Water Challenge, anybody who watched Mark Zuckerberg's awesome rendition of it knows that you can nominate three, three. people. Yeah. So she said five people's name in the video, but then she tweeted only three people. Jonathan was one of the five, but he didn't make the cut. He didn't get the – I would love to see Jonathan Honig oh, yeah. do the challenge just because you know – he would do something Absolutely. way wacky and different with it than anybody else does. I mean, he's the guy who showed up in the cat costume on Red Eye. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and with nobody no ever talked it. about it the no, whole time. There was no mention. It was just, okay, that's Jonathan dressed up as a cat. <laughs> <laughs> State Defiance in the chat room says that last week, Jonathan ripped Wine uh, Williams. Wine, that's great. <laughs> that's perfect. Wine, wine Williams, Williams a new terrible. one. Terrible. <laughs> wine Williams is but that, terrible. I've never heard that one that's before. Excellent. Did you Did you coin that, State Defiance? That's what I want to know is because that is excellent. Perfect, perfect. Wine Williams. He's and on that show, uh, he is. On that show, uh, he's the biggest whiner of and all. He, and he calls himself a libertarian. A libertarian he's, he's again. Got, he's got no hope against no, but, Jonathan. No, on but that it's show. like it's not, like it's like Mara calling himself a libertarian when Breitbart actually exposed him and he didn't he didn't protest because they they know that progressives and leftists is, is a bad name now liberalism so they're like uh li- you know libertarian because it seems cool now to be libertarian right right and that's why Juan Williams wine Williams wine Williams that's, <laughs> that, that, that's excellent uh he's terrible I mean he is so bad embarrassingly bad. He's such a hack, a reliable leftist hack. It's unbelievable. But he shows up there week after week. Yeah. Okay. Fair and balanced, right? Get a lion hack and honest people. That's fair and balanced. Anyway. Well, it's like the adversarial system in courts of law. Well, so, well, well you know. I'll see you then. Get a Nazi and get an Israeli. That's fair and balanced. I mean, that's what they're doing. Aye, aye, aye. And then, so, the, and then the, the Muslim Nazi goes on there and he says, uh, uh, Netanyahu is a Nazi, uh, like Hitler. <laughs> and this is a guy who admires Hitler. That's like projecting it. It's, it's most it's, crude. It's, 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 you, you, you see that. And they're like, CNN is allowing this. I mean, just real pigs. Sorry, pigs. <laughs> sorry, sorry, pig man. We have two stories about companies that I like or have liked disappointing me. And one you sent me, but it was originally from Mark Wickens. Mm -hmm. Apple's statement on diversity. Inclusion inspires innovation. And I'm afraid this is one that I'm going to have to play for you guys that you're going to have to listen to and maybe suffer through, as it were. so nicely done, you know, the music and pictures. From the very beginning... We have been a collective of individuals. What a term. A collective of individuals. Kinds of people from different kinds of places. Can you just put pause for something? Yeah, let me get it to pause. Yeah. Talk about skin color, talk about sexuality. Talk well, about and when you really you can go watch the video if you want to. Beings. Yeah, but they're they're showing. Oh, this one has different hair, and this one has a ring this in his nose, and then turban. this one has different skin, and there's one with a headscarf, yes. and just, there has to be one, apple. and there's one whose name tag it said Muhammad. It did. So, yes. you know, you've got, but anyway, no, point, but point being, this is what they're pushing right now. It's, it's about diversity. That's why we are who we are. No, you are, you are who you are because of Steve Jobs, first of all. This is sick. I mean, it's crazy. Whatever people wear to work and all this stuff has absolutely nothing. The, the diversity that they're showing in the images Not has to do with their dress, with their race, right? Yeah. Maybe with their religious beliefs. Maybe with their religious beliefs. 
Maybe, none of, may, maybe their sexuality, maybe, well, their sex, yeah. None of, none of this has anything to do with the capacity Zero. to innovate. And it's that, it's that leftist hack, cook. And, and, and the thing that I don't like about this, you know, they, they just say, oh, well, all of this diversity makes us great. Give us an example <laughs> of how it is that having people of diverse races in particular, not, and, you know, I think what I was saying was like, you know what, the brown guy did this part on the Apple, on the iPhone. The what? I mean, the white guy, <laughs> the redhead, the gay guy. It's like, so you're going to define these people by their skin color right, and right. sexuality. And then, and then moreover, what I want to know is how, how does the fact that this person is gay relate to whatever the particular contribution is that he made to the invention? You it show me a cause and effect relationship because I've point. never seen one. This is just embarrassing. You know? This is, this is so, Tim Cook lefting it up. Uh, Apple left. Anyway, some people... Backgrounds all working together. A collective what of individuals. thing we share is the belief that we can make a difference in this world through our products and through our values, through who we are. For this reason, we put inclusion and diversity at our very center. You mean we above honor individuality, human dignity, and equality. Equality, so they all get the same salary? <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. No, but we're talking about products here. I want Tim Great Cook, products. I want Tim Cook's salary. <laughs> Absolutely. Equality? Yes. Woohoo! Hey! I walk in, hey, uh, where's my check? Go. Oh. No, but this is this is bad. This is bad because they're, they're saying um, those things are good. Are they going to trump the product of Apple? Apple is Steve Jobs. It's his genius. It is the, product, the great, brilliant products that they make. It's so not about the, the so skin the, color the thing, of Joe. The the publicity that I've heard recently is that um, you can't just be all about profit. That you've got to be uh, about mm-hmm. also environmentalism. Yeah. And they got to make stuff here in America. Boy, we make a bunch of stuff here. Whoa, we're in Austin Three years making removed from, from, stuff. from Steve Jobs' death. So. And now this diversity piece. He's making his move. This Tim Cooked. So the question is, can the quality of the products? survive this and it's possible that they can possible i do think we've got a caller here with something to say perhaps about this hi who's this hi Amy, it's debbie oh hi debbie. Hey, debbie good to hear from you debbie is blonde by the way she has blonde hair that's that is important to know right yeah debbie tell, tell us, <laughs> I, tell I us have, uh, I, i'm a redhead he's a redhead yeah. so so debbie tell us how your blondness is going to influence the content of your call today Oh, boy. I don't know about
but instead, what it said was, women can bring a diverse perspective to science because they have a different way of thinking that's more in tune with their emotions and more intuitive and more holistic, and they bring their own perspective to science. And somehow this is supposed to be like a value to science that... You know, this is this is, this is where I, I don't I don't see any direct connection that people make or not even, you know, indirect, whatever. The point is I never see the causal chain drawn out. So you start with something kind of vague sounding that sounds maybe true about women and then they say, Oh, well therefore that must make a contribution to your work in science. How? How? Yeah. How is it? I mean, I've I've heard a little bit where people try to draw out causal connections in management styles or something, you know, that somehow some female management styles might have an effect on something. I don't really know all of that, but I know that I know that people have made a little bit more of an effort. But this commercial makes absolutely no. no and also effort. one thing, sorry, they're going to hire people based on things that don't matter. No, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, they will hire. A guy, oh, you're Muhammad. Boom. Okay, work for us. Uh, okay. You know what I mean, that's what that's what they're saying. That's what they're that's where they're heading. That's why I think the product might go down. But we'll see. We'll see. What What do you think? What do you think, Debbie? Is this the doom of Apple? I don't know. It is not looking good. I think this guy Cook. I just I'd like to know how he ended up succeeding Steve Jobs because he doesn't seem like he's anything like Jobs. I mean, I don't I don't know as much about Jobs. Probably you do. I haven't read his biography, but I just have a hard time imagining, from what I do know, that he would have selected this guy. He was he was mixed jobs. He was definitely mixed, and maybe that's part of why he picked this guy. You know, and 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 also this guy may not have expressed certain of his values to as much of an extent when Steve Jobs was there as he is doing now. Because Jobs kept kept things pretty close to the vest. And, and I think the other thing is that now that Jobs isn't there and there's just nobody like Steve Jobs and people, you know, there's always the rumors about Steve Jobs was just really hard to deal with, very hard-headed and stubborn. And this guy's stubborn. a nice guy. And, and Steve Jobs probably would not take anything from anybody. And I think Tim Cook is being run over by pressure groups oh, probably no too. And Plus, we know he was at Obama's uh, the State of the Union. Right. He was there. He was also something recently, but well, Isn't global there, warming. And there's pending antitrust yes. and all sorts of things on them. I mean, they've got a world of trouble, the poor company right now. So how much of that has to do with any of this, I'm not sure. I don't think I, I don't get the sense that he doesn't believe what he's saying, but maybe he would have kept more well, of it to himself. One can't really believe this. I mean, this is crap. This is facile crap. And, you know, that's why they don't make any examples, because there are no examples. You, you, you can't. And also to cite their, their, the unimportant things about them, to say that is what, and I think they put in there, that that's what's really important. I mean, you know, it could have been different. So suppose they say, okay, well, you know, and they, he, they, you know they, they give some lip service, such and such our values and the blah, blah. Why don't they say, okay, look, here's all these different people. But they all share these values, yes. and then they list off the values, yes. and that this is what makes our country great. That's I mean, our, our, our company, company great. Um, but they're not saying that. They're saying the different colors of skin and hair and sexuality, and that's 
That's it's like, it's like the thing that makes them great is, yeah, all of the different skin colors and sexuality and everything else and religious beliefs and all of that combined with our values, you somehow mix it up in a blender and, and you, you get us. greatness. And that's why we have <laughs> I mean, it's just bad. I don't know. You know, well, know. well his name is Kim, Tim, Kim, Tim Cook. He's trying to cook up this whole... Oh, Cook. You know, yeah. Cook, yeah. Yeah, he's trying to cook up this whole mix of So this is a Freudian this whole thing of know. mine about the cooking, the blending in <laughs> the blender. That's right. I call him Tim Cooked, though. Anyway, it is disappointing. The other thing that was disappointing to me was the Starbucks Robert re-editing, says, renewing their statement about Robert NYC uh, Israel. Robert says Jobs was much more morally certain than Cook. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, you could tell in his interviews, he was very, he knew himself, he knew his mind, and he knew he didn't want to get into a certain crap. You yeah, know? and I think the government knew that they couldn't mess with Jobs, no. and then once he was gone... Yeah. Come in and steamroll, basically. Make a strong arm this guy because he's willing. Mm. This makes me upset. They're a great company because of Steve Jobs. So, Debbie, anything more on Apple before we turn to Starbucks? Uh, no, just the, they also, I think, recently hired Jay Carney. Isn't that right? Yeah. Also, yeah. And another yeah. government hack as well. Aren't you glad that <laughs> yeah. when you go... You you go and you buy an iPhone that you just know that part of it is going to Jay Carney. I'm thinking about that. This lion propagandist rat working for yeah. a great company. Yeah, Why? I just don't get it. Wouldn't have thought Apple. They just didn't have a reputation for being real cronyist or uh, or anything like that. But they got they got Carney and then also Lisa Jackson, yes. former head of the yes. EPA. Yes. No. That, that she's even more disgusting than Carney. I think. Political I mean, well, it's hard to say. At a certain point, it gets, it gets hard to tell the difference. But, but uh, I think she's worse. Well, and Al Gore is on the board. Oh man! By the way, oh, I didn't even know the fraud, that. By the way, the fraud oh. Al Gore is suing the fraud uh, Al Jazeera for fraud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was it in the news uh, earlier. Mm. He says he owes. They owe him sixty-five million dollars. So, I mean, this is worrying. I don't like it. I wonder where my Apple has gone. I'm hoping that there's still some of the spirit of jobs left within other people who are having well, influence on the organization. With Carney there, he said he's going to rename the phone to the live phone. The live phone? Yeah, the phone with, with the Jake Carney. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, but the next story is the one that really gets me where I'm actually – I don't think I've gone... No, I have not gone to Starbucks since I read this story, and I'm not very eager to. Me neither. Someone gave I haven't me, been there in a while. Someone gave me a gift card for my birthday for Starbucks, and I spent only a small fraction of it, and now I don't want to spend it. I'm really kind of bummed. So this is facts about Starbucks in the Middle East from Starbucks' own website, and yes, it was written, what, back in 2010, somebody said, or I don't know, but it says clearly on the website, updated August 2014. So they are reiterating what they say here. And they're saying, you know, uh, is it true that Starbucks or Howard Schultz provides financial support to Israel? No, this is absolutely not true. So they basically go to, go down and say, they say, look, we don't, financially, we don't financially support Israel. We don't even have any stores in Israel. And one thing that they I did learn about later, which makes me feel a little less mad at Starbucks about this, is that they did have a uh, partner, an Israeli partner, in Israel trying to help open the Starbucks stores there. And apparently they failed because they did not do market research 
and they didn't position their product correctly. So they just really bombed business-wise when they tried to work in Israel. And now I guess they sold it off or they shut it down or whatever, and, and it, it can't happen again. So now when they talk about, you know, do you work with a Middle East partner to operate Starbucks stores, they're talking about this Kuwaiti business. They did not use that Kuwaiti business to try to have the okay. Starbucks in Israel. They actually used an Israeli company, and the Israelis just didn't like Starbucks. Interesting. <laughs> they just didn't like the coffee. I mean, so, I don't like the coffee. The lattes are good, but the coffee but, itself is burnt. But I just, so. I, just, I just hate this idea that they are – Stepping all over themselves to say, oh, well, we don't take sides yeah. and we're, way, we so. don't support Israel. It's like, look, by, by not taking a side, you're who a do side. you help? No, who by not taking a side, you you're, you're taking a side. You, yes. you, you are helping Hamas. You are hurting Israel by this statement. And you may think, you know, oh, well, I'm just being uh, impartial here. And it's not that companies are out there to be blatantly political, but to put a statement out, oh, no, no, we don't yeah. you know, support Israel. But, okay, could you apologize and step all over yourselves more? I, I don't see how. Do we have uh, more yeah, calls? No, we don't. No, we're okay. Yeah. Uh, they don't have their thing. Stuart, but uh, he said. Uh, oh, Stuart said on the chat yeah. room that he wants to talk about. Okay. But, but okay, okay. Go ahead, Debbie. I'm sorry. It's all right. Yeah, no, I was just saying that they are taking a side because if they're going out of their way to um, right. to announce that they're not supporting Israel, that's not neutrality. If they just said nothing and yeah, shut right. their mouth, that would be neutral. But they're uh, going out of their way to point out that they don't support Israel. So, so then, and then they're trying to like hedge and and play both sides of it. And say, oh, we're not taking sides. Look, you can't accuse because we're not actually overly supporting Hamas, but that's just kind of cowardly. They're sort of trying to have a be on both sides of the fence, I think. Yep. Which it's impossible to it's do impossible. in this situation. I mean, you mm-hmm. have a civilized country versus savages. Right. <laughs> I mean, there is no argument here. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Any last words, Debbie? We're going to go grab another call if not. Well, thank Good you very much for calling in. Thank you for listening. And I assume you're on the drive home from work. Is that it? That is right. Okay. Well, kudos to you for having the awesome job that you like working at this late. And drive safe. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Okay. We have another call. And I believe you are live as a steward. Yes. Hi. How are Hi. you? I'm doing great. No, I'm really um, I think on uh, on on Facebook uh, you're reputed to have a sexy voice or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's awesome. Me anyway. Awesome. <laughs> so we know, have a sexy voice caller. Yes, that's right. Exclusively, I don't let diverse. it go unheard. That's right. We're so diverse. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, I'm really disappointed in Apple and Starbucks, but this is entirely consistent with what is taught in business school these days. You know, I have an MBA, and this is why I learned in business school. They, they, they teach you altruism. They say, you know, we shouldn't be concerned about profit. There are higher things in business than profit. Back in the 19th century, people had this antiquated notion that a company belonged to its stockholders. But now we're much more sophisticated. We know the company actually belongs to its stakeholders. Who are the stakeholders? everyone in society, except the stockholders. Right. I'm not kidding. They would show me this um, web chart called 
who are the stakeholders of your company. And in one part of the web chart, it says the shareholders. And then there's another part that says the employees. And then it says the community. And then it says <sighs> the rainforest. Well, <sighs> you know, if I start a company, the rainforest is a partial owner. And no, so being that's really bad. Is, is a part of that. And this whole thing about diversity in Silicon Valley it's really, really disappointing. It reminds me of this incident in 1996 where this leftist nun named Doris Gormley wrote this letter to all these Silicon Valley companies telling them, you know, there's not enough diversity on your board of directors. You need more people of certain races on your boards. And most mm. companies either ignored her or they were conciliatory. But um, T.J. Rogers, who started Cypress Semiconductor, was different. He wrote her a letter back and said, no, the most important thing is that first company should respect people's rights. That's the most important thing. And if you respect people's rights, you should make a profit. That's the most important part. And he right. said the whole notion that we should be tokenistic and sacrifice profitability, sacrifice our shareholders for your tokenistic attitude is immoral. He even used the word immoral. Nice. great. Nice. And he and and, he said, and it is. I mean, here's here's Apple, right? And and I mean, I I would say Apple, due to kind of its unique brand, you would say that it has a, a kind of a, a larger concern. It should have a larger concern for its customer base as well as its shareholder base. But those are the two groups, right? The the enthusiastic customer who's been with them for decades, and and the shareholders, and to sacrifice the interests of the shareholders and the customers for totally arbitrary characteristics like race mm. and sex, sexual preference, what kind of dye they like to put in their hair color or what kind of jewelry they like to put in various orifices of their body. Um, who cares? Right. This is, this is all of this stuff is completely Apple, irrelevant. Apple saying they care. Yeah. That's what, that's what they're telling us. We care about that. I mean, I'd love them to say, okay, here's this guy with a nose ring, and he, <laughs> he helped us design the, the latest iPhone. Yeah. And the fact that he is this funky-looking guy with a nose ring, this is exactly how it affected his contribution <laughs> to, you know? Right. It's like, what in the world? It's totally arbitrary. It's ridiculous. And who knows what they even spent on the ad no. and how much of the price you of probably that. probably a Hollywood producer. I mean, how, how much of the price Hollywood of that director. campaign is going to be oh. reflected in the next you know, gadget that I would like to buy from Apple? And, and you know what really gets me is when they say these companies in Silicon Valley aren't diverse, they omit mention of the fact that many, a large percentage of their employees, their scientists, their engineers, even people who found these companies are Indian. Many of them are from India. Many of them mm-hmm. are Asian, and these are groups who came to the United States in the 19th century, were very impoverished, and they've rose to wealth. And all these politically correct groups, they claim to care about Latinos and blacks. But I think that the day when Latinos and blacks become very successful professionally, right. you know, as a group, is the day they'll, these groups will stop caring about these minorities. Well, I mean, we have a black Supreme Court justice who uh, Harry Reid thought was white. We have a Hispanic Supreme Court because justice. Because he goes five white men. Like, <laughs> oh, he's actually black, but anyway. <laughs> he does say that. You know, but that doesn't count. They, they, you know. <laughs> no, but, no, you're right, though. There are certain races that there's, well, you know, they're not real minorities, you know. They're not real, you know what I mean? The Indians, Asians. The, ra- the race counts as long as it goes along with the right liberal ideas. That's it. 
But Period. then once it comes with either conservative or libertarian ideas, Thomas Sowell is not really black. Or objectivist ideas, I mean, heaven forbid, objectivist yeah, ideas. Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, is not really black. You know, <laughs> you know they're, they're quote unquote white blacks, as they call them. So, Stuart, anything else before I go on a hit and run through some of these remaining topics? Well, yeah. So I hope that um, more companies um, follow T.J. Rogers' example and they speak out and they say, you know, they say we should focus on the individual, not all these collective groups. And I like T.J. Rogers a lot. He has said in public he's an admirer of Ayn Rand. So, and what is he know, doing now? What is what is Rogers doing now? Um, he's still making computer chips, and um, he did power for a while. He did partner with that company SunPower, which mm-hmm. uh, received stimulus money and the green jobs and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I think uh, mm-hmm. T.J. Rogers has sort of a falling out with SunPower. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, Thanks. I would. I would definitely like to see more do like he did. Thank you. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Stuart. And we will talk to you again. Thank you for calling and for staying up at this late hour. John in the chat room here says that race matters to the left only as long as it represents weakness and not success. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, people used to be in favor of Israel until Israel showed that it could defend itself after but all. Then, but then who's the quote unquote, who's the man in America? The man, you know. Who's the man? Black guy. Yeah. Half black, sorry. You know, he's the first mixed race president. Uh, people can't really handle that. So let's let's do some hit and run through some of these stories here because they could be pretty quick. Kiss frontman Gene Simmons: If immigrants want success in the United States, learn goddamn English. <laughs> it's funny. This is funny. I just put it there because it's kind of funny. It's and funny. for somebody to actually say yes that it might actually be important to learn English yeah. if you want to succeed in the United States. And he says it unapologetically. I've had family members here for 20, 30 years. Hello. And that's their uh, English? That's about it. Yeah. I've, I've seen people here for decades as well uh, that have really It's terrible. I can't English. imagine going to a different country and not learning the language. I just can't. No. It's impossible. No. That's why I'm only going to go to English countries if I go. Remember, <laughs> your own's right. got it all planned. It's, it's <laughs> that's New Zealand. Right. That's, that's it. right. Next story. Something I would love to see, but this is all, I guess, speculation at this point. Morsi, Mohammed Morsi in Egypt, right? Morsi's wife threatens to publish letters from Hillary Clinton exposing, quote, special relationship, like end quote, between Muslim Brotherhood and Obama and, administration. And why is she threatening it? Because, I don't know why no, she's threatening it. Because Hillary basically put him down and said, well, he's, he wasn't really the guy. They backed him completely, completely mm. until he bombed out, until the, the uh, Egyptian military took him, you know, took him out. Uh, she backed him. And now she's like trying to distance herself from being associated with the Muslim Brotherhood, which she was in bed with. She thinks she's going to be elected in 2016. She, in her mind, she she needs to believe this. So her her she, book doesn't sell, but she's going to be elected. Yes, and her book had bombed. Okay. You know, her husband uh, had three shots taken out, one of the biggest mass murders in history. Never did. Then we have a couple foreign countries that aren't really getting the big picture of who the enemy is in the world today. One story is Dutch mayor cancels oh. anti-ISIS rally as, quote, too provocative. Yeah. Too provocative. The pro-ISIS. It's, it uh, is too provocative to speak out against, against mass murdering savages. Scum. It's too provocative to no. object to people who murder 
innocent the truth children is and women and everybody else. While Islamic State jihadists battle their way across Syria and Iraq, beheading soldiers and civilians, training children for battle. jihad, they're killing innocent people. Their supporters across Europe demand death to Jews and call for the blood of infidels. Now it seems some European leaders are refusing to fight back. The situation has become especially controversial in the Dutch political capital of The Hague, where pro-ISIS protests in July involved anti-Jewish chants and a violent attack on a female journalist covering the event. As the Jew hate worsened and violence intensified, witnesses and Jewish advocacy groups called on the mayor's office to step in, but the mayor was on holiday and his deputy, who was left in charge, found no reason to intervene. Residents of The Hague felt otherwise. On August 10th, a group calling itself Pro-Patria staged its own freedom march through the same largely Muslim neighborhood in The Hague where the pro-IS, you know, Islamic State demonstrations had been held. The aim, according to one organizer, was to show, quote, that this so-called Sharia triangle is still Dutch land where Dutch laws and rules prevail, end quote. They have been calling this the Sharia hmm. Triangle, this area of The Hague. They said it was perhaps a naively optimistic notion. No sooner had the demonstration started than pro-IS residents began attacking, throwing stones, and starting fistfights. Six people were arrested. The mayor, who was still vacationing in France, sounds like Obama, no. did nothing. Now he's been called back to The Hague to justify his response or lack of response. And he says, quote, no more protests against radical Islam in this Sharia Triangle area, as he calls it. It's too provocative. I mean, honestly, He's saying, run us over, yeah. take us over, we surrender. Yeah. This is a white flag. Yes. This is disgusting. Yeah, and they, uh, Walter brings up here, yeah, they're, they're the worst. They are trying to uh, overtake Al-Qaeda as the worst scum. They're That's beheading right. children. That's right. They're trying to say we are even better than that. We're you know we're worse than that. They're trying to scare people, and uh, it's working in a lot of ways. But again, you got children also uh, holding up severed heads and posing with them. I mean, it, it, that kind of culture, you it, know, what it has is to be done. It's the worst, most horrific thing. But let me just give you. There's only one answer to uh, that kind of culture. Uh, we, know, a, we, we have the power to a, do it a also. P a PSA. If I am following you on any social media source, Me too. do not put these photos in your feed. Absolutely I don't need not. to see photos. No. Now, you can put a link to a story. I don't need to see... But uh, don't put the photo in the damn five feed. Five heads and a guy smiling, a picture with them. I, I just don't need to see that to know that, oh, oh, now I know they're bad. No, these guys are the scum of the earth. I don't need to see their handiwork as they show off to, to see that they're bad. UK showing itself not to be too much. They won't sell weapons to Israel. The late Great Britain. But they will sell weapons to Gaddafi, Iran, and Pakistan. This is from Front Page Magazine, written by Daniel Greenfield. It says the UK is all about human rights. That's why it warned Israel that if Hamas breaks a ceasefire again, it will shut down some weapons export licenses to Israel. But maybe Israel will just be able to get them secondhand from some of the UK's arms industry's clients, a group that includes China, Zimbabwe, Iran, and Sudan. Sudan's committed actual genocide, but Israel? No, they can't no. get weapons. No, that's evil. 
Actually, uh, the UK sold weapons to Gaddafi as well. Terrorist. So this is terrible stuff. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes, and we're already over my ideal time, which is supposed to be an hour and a half, but we seem to keep going long each week. And if we go up a little bit longer, it's fine. But I want to talk a little bit about this immigration article written by Ed Maslish that some people sent to me and asked me to talk about. One person posted it on the Don't Let It Go on Her page on Facebook. And the headline is, Yearning to Breathe Free, the Foundations of a Rational Immigration Policy. And the essence of it, as I understand it, is that Ed Maslish is in favor of ideological screening of immigrants, that this is an appropriate immigration restriction, so that in addition to immigration restrictions that I would agree with, which would be whether they have a criminal background, whether they are associated with terrorists or enemy groups or states, um, whether they have a highly dangerous, highly contagious disease, Right? These things should pe- keep people out of our country. But in addition, Maslisch wants to have an ideological screening of some purpose. And I don't need to look at a whole lot of this before I can tell you I can reject this. Yeah. Now, this is not just you swear an oath of allegiance to the Constitution and maybe you take a test showing that you actually know something about the United States. Right. That probably serves some value. And, you know, we could have a specialist and you know i i supposedly i'm in philosophy of law but that doesn't mean i have an automatic answer to every single question in philosophy of law this is a specialized question in philosophy of law in terms of you know how much you would have them actually learn and why would there be a purpose for them to learn more about american history than most kids graduating from our own high schools actually know right people who take the immigration test i think know more about united states than a lot of people who live here do um, I would actually be afraid I might get something wrong on the test. So, you know, what's the purpose of that? I don't know. I don't necessarily think it's terrible to have some sort of a test to say no. that you are going to at least adhere to the and you recognize the system of laws in the United yeah, States. You recognize some what sort America of oath, means. Right? But it is one thing to say that you are going to conduct yourself in action in certain ways that are consistent with the system that we have here in the United States. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to say it's going to be an ideological right. screening based on what they believe. And what immediately came to my mind, and today I was immersed in quotations from Ayn Rand, but what me- immediately came to my mind was this from the letters of Ayn Rand, page 578. Actually, let me go ahead and... Um, Find the quotation. It's actually here in my in my Twitter feed in the Ayn Rand bot on Twitter. No advocate of the free mind can claim the right to force the minds of others. No advocate of the free mind can claim the right to force the minds of others. And what you're saying here to these people is you're saying, look, I am not going to let you hire this immigrant. I am not going to let this immigrant who has financial means to support himself or whatever, you know, come here. You know, again, my context is we don't give welfare to any of these people. We screen them for the three things that I talked about, right? You're not going to give these people an ideological test. You're not going to say we can force your mind. The thing that you have a right to do, which is 
hire this employee or come to work for somebody who wants to hire you. That should not depend on the content of your beliefs. Now, if you say, okay, well, they are a member of a certain ideological group that is advocating the immediate overthrow of the United States, okay, fine. Absolutely. But the idea that they're going to come here and they have beliefs like a whole bunch of other liberal, horrible, yuckies, <laughs> I'm not swearing, here in the United States, and so therefore we're going to keep them out. No, you you cannot force their mind, okay? And and here we are. We are, objectivists are the epitome of the advocate of the free mind. Yep. And to say that we're going to base the ability of people to immigrate on the content of people's minds. And also, what you know, what is the standard there? Because then you've got certain people in, um, in power. Then they won't take, well, this this kind of immigrant we don't want. I mean, the ones who are for a smaller government. Yeah. You know I mean, if they're in power, then a right wing, well, we don't want this kind of, and they'll have the keys, let's say, to keep whoever they want out. Once you give them that power, they're going to use it. So, no. no. They, they, they're the last should they, should they be asked to abide by the Constitution, uh, the laws of course, the United no States? No doubt about it. Yes. But that's all we care about. We care about the conduct. Again, unless they are part of an ideology that is provably in imminent danger. I wouldn't be here if it was for that. I mean, my dad was incredibly I mean, mixed. He was, to, to me, was a totalitarian, communist, Muslim, everything. I mean, and yeah, but he did end up coming here, and he ended up, I guess, appreciating the country to some extent. But he also, speak about, he also spoke about too much freedom here. That would keep him out, according to yeah. that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be here. So in that sense, just personally speaking, um, it's unacceptable. Right. But I mean, if, for instance, he was coming and it was post 9-11. I mean, post 9-11, we even, had to. Even though, even though you wouldn't be yes. here, wouldn't uh, you say, nonetheless, course, we'd have a right to keep you out? Of course. Yeah, right. Post so, 9-11, especially, right. we should have stopped right. cold immigration from other countries. Say, okay, let's take a look at each one. And first of all, let's, let's stop the cold right now and then open it up to maybe, you know, as, as I put it, I said the, the least uh, barbaric Islamic countries are the least Islamic. Right. Start with the least Islamic countries and then go from there after a while, after, after shutting down post 9-11. So I'm happy in this late hour. That's my analysis that I'm giving. And Stuart in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio seems to agree with me. He says, using the force of law to keep people out of the country based on their having immoral ideas, is thought policing. Yes, I agree. I saw another thought police story today, by the way, and it was a story in which, no joke, a woman was arrested because she swore in front mm. of her kids what in a the store. F- <laughs> that's just, that's America. Walter says, I have a friend who came here from communist China, and her father is a... Man in, what? Do you, you say this? Can you read this one? I don't know. Anyway, she is one of one of the people in the Communist Party, high in the PLA. She's one of the truest Americans he's ever known. Screening would have kept her out. Yeah, you, you don't, again, That's not based thing. on belief. You know, again, unless... Also, unless someone someone unless, calls themselves a communist. They come here, they bust their ass, they, they create a business. I mean, you can call yourself a communist all you want. Are they truly communist, whatever that means in their in their own mind? Yeah, there there there's communist in their head, there, and then the there's guy. communist in, yeah. in terms of you know, 
This guy is very successful. It'd be, it'd be, the, the, it'd be like uh, the, the criteria for conspiracy, right? right? You have to actually have taken some sort of a step. Right. So to, you could say, okay, well, this person believes ideas that are antithetical to the United States. Well, have they ever taken an outward yes. step that would show that they are going to align themselves with people who are trying to overthrow our country? Would a communist start yeah. a business, two businesses, and be successful and try to live a happy life in America? No, mm-hmm. a true communist wouldn't, but he calls himself a communist. Would a Muslim eat pork, have dogs, treat their women with respect, you know, tolerate Jews, quote-unquote tolerate Jews? No. Stuart says when people have bad ideas, I think it shows the importance of speaking out and exposing people to rational Absolutely. philosophy. Yes, and that is That's what we try thing. to do right no, but, here on no, Don't Let It Go that That's what we try to people, do each week. No, but you want people to be who they are, express themselves as they are. As long as they don't violate anyone else's rights, you could spew any kind of crap you want. Well, and, and we Wal- could argue against it. Well, and Walter also asks, who determines what ideology, what, what ideology will be acceptable, that, yes, right? Yes, that's the point. I mean, whoever's in power will. That's the whole point. The right will keep out <laughs> the left. The left will keep out the right and so on, you know? And I guess then it's, it's no longer America. I mean, it's, it's not. No, exactly. So I'm... And also, who's to say these people will not fundamentally change once they get here, once they experience, you know, well, the old America, let's say. Yeah, so I'm. I don't know where the hell we're heading. I'm. I'm sorry, but I definitely, definitely disagree with that idea. I just don't think there is any easy solution to the problem right now because the problem is we've got this welfare state, and people who are going to come here are going to be a drain on it, are going to want to perpetuate it because they're living off of it, and our economy is so bad that it's not like there is ready work available for everybody to grab either. So if we solve the problems of the economy and we get rid of the welfare state, there is no reason to keep people out, even if they themselves believe in the return. There is no substitute. There's no end run about, around convincing people, right, through volition to accept the right ideas. They have to use their own free will and accept the right ideas. And, the, and you, know, you, you don't have this idea just because there is a government and the government has the monopoly on the retaliatory use of force and to protect people it is not a violation of your rights to have people who come in who have these beliefs it's a violation of your rights when they actually do something also, about it john brings up here about iran would have been denied no and you think about these great individuals you think of wafa sultan ayan hersi ali mm-hmm. wafa sultan's from syria it's like you would assume well she's a muslim you know whatever no she's uh she's actually an ex-muslim and but she might have been she might not have been Found out. I mean, let's just say. I mean, you, you got to let them, and then we then we could deal with them. And if they have a criminal background, if they're this, yeah, get the hell out of here. Extra scrutiny for people no from, from certain, certain countries, countries yes. who are our enemy at Absolutely the moment. Absolutely right. Yes. But there are but individuals who are looking not, to get the hell out and come come to a semi-free country. I always have to stop now. It's just it's unbelievable. I have to really just bite my tongue and talk about where we are right now because it's not the great America that it was. It isn't. No. And uh, no. if we don't do something, it, it won't be ever. Yeah, and and along those lines, let's talk about the last story that I have here. Again, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com if you want to look at all of the links that we had for the, the show today. But this story was making the rounds. I think it was on National Review at first, and I think the National Review one didn't have quite as confrontational a headline as this Western journalism story did. Western journalism, this doesn't sound very journalistic. Epic. This gun manufacturer just stared down Eric Holder and told him to shove it. 
So, you know That's what? the headline. It's sad because the guy did something good. Oh, he did. And then they undercut it by those yeah. real hokey oh, yeah. titles. Anyway, so what happened? They don't happened? have to talk it up like that. Yeah. What Just this... saying, he told them the truth in his face. The president of Kodiak Arms, his name is W.P. Gentry, he spent time and money researching the potential benefits of installing software into firearms allowing them to recognize authorized users before becoming operable. I love this idea yeah. because the idea that your kid or whatever is going to get a hold of your firearm and automatically or excuse me accidentally shoot it off and and cause horrible damage or maybe even death is not going to happen with this software. This is this is a wonderful idea. Um, Gentry noted that his company was at the forefront of perfecting such technology just months after the mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School. That was late 2012, as I recall. Um, He says, I then had the biggest development in smart gun technology coming together at my facility in Utah called the Intelligun. The the handgun's grip would be able to identify fingerprints and within one second recognize whether the holder was authorized to use the firearm or not. And it says, when Attorney General Eric Holder met with multiple gun manufacturers in April 2013, Gentry said he was invited to discuss his innovation. This interested Holder, he recalled, he wondered how we might be able to control who was or wasn't authorized. Immediately, Gentry realized the host was proposing something antithetical to the motivation behind his research. So he wants to give us control over our guns. Eric Holder's trying to say, hmm, how can government get control over everyone's guns? How can it pervert this good invention? How can government pervert it somehow? So here's the guy. He says, I stopped him right there. He said, I looked right across the table at Eric Holder, yeah, the Attorney General of the United States, and told him, quote, if you try to mandate my smart gun technology, I'll burn it down. End quote. That's awesome. Now you know where you know what he's saying. Now I don't know why we're hearing this only now when this happened in April either. of 2013. I don't there know. There is either. that. Um, this is cool. Now the thing that immediately came to my mind, though, because of this is where we are, right, is that this company, in order to get a patent protected on the Has technology, been. I think would have to disclose the technology to a large extent in the patent application, there's all this disclosure the that they have, have to the do. And, so then the government will have the knowledge and they'll yeah. just do it and they'll just nationalize it in the right. name of the public good or whatever it is. So you can say what you want to him, but I just don't see how this guy is going to be able to this guy, make money this guy off his technology and keep it out of the holder's He answered hand. the critics what they kept bitching about. Remember that? Well, anyone can have the... No, no, actually, they can't with this. Hmm... Okay, okay, but how can we you know, further control? I mean, they, he, this guy created the answer yep. to what they were complaining about. Yep. And that's not enough for them because you know, you know what their thing is. Wipe guns out. Only, only government, period. That's it. Yeah, so they, w- they would love to have this mandated on all the guns yep. and then have their own backdoor override courtesy of the NSA or its analog. And shut them all down. The uh, Department of Tobacco and, and all, Firearms or whatever Make the hell them all is. inactive. Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms, BTF. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. Bunch of <laughs> something, effort, yes. something. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yeah. And, and so this is where we are. This really is where we are. And and again, what is the challenge? The challenge is in all these areas where the government is coming around with its guns and its the regulations and yeah. its mandates. How do we say? 
forget your lemons. Thank you very much. I'm going to go grow an avocado tree. Now, why I chose avocado, I don't know. Is it better than lemons? It depends what your well, purpose is. Well, I'd rather eat an avocado than lemon directly, but, you yeah. There's that, too. There's that, too. But you, you get the idea. The idea is the whole category by I'm going to make something better for myself and not have government involvement. The more that we can do that in our lives, the the better. But, you know, we are getting to and the less stage. less power government has over I mean, he, here's this guy. This guy would like, this guy Gentry would like to make money off of his technology. Absolutely. And I don't know how he's going to be able to, consistent with his wish, to keep it out of government. I'd like to know where he is today. It's 2014. It's a year later, over a year later. What's, what's the situation? I'd like to find out. Well, maybe, maybe we'll do an update. Find out. Maybe we should try to interview the guy. Maybe we should. This was published August 11, 2014. The incident happened in spring yeah. 2013. Not sure why. I don't know. Maybe they had some disclosures that, well, you can't talk about this this meeting. You can't until later. Who knows? I don't mm. know. It's possible. Well, at least the NSA didn't have that, so we were able to have yeah. your own on. Right. Quick. Anyway. That's, uh, that's good. And that tells you, again, Holder, what he wants. doesn't want safety. doesn't care about safety at all. Maybe they want this story to come out this year because it's election year. Okay, Republicans really got to win Republicans because look what Holder is trying to – maybe. Yeah, it might be as cheap as that. It could be some of that. Republicans are cheap when, you know, when it comes out. Well, and they're desperate. Again, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's lack of ideology. They should, no, but think, think I, I'm, they I'm, I'm putting myself in floor. No, but they should be wiping the floor with Democrats this, this season. They're yeah. not because they suck. I'm putting myself in Piscopo's camp where – Despite their lack of any good plan whatsoever, I'm rooting yeah. for them to win. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, if they win as opposed to the absolutely anti-American leftist Democrat Party, it's better off for us. Anyway, kudos to Gentry. They're, I not, as, they're not as hardcore destructive as a leftist. Right. They're not. No, it, it, it's buying time. It really is buying time and trying to get some gridlock going there. And that's all that we have look, to look forward to for the next couple of years. And again, you know, like you were saying earlier, let, uh, the lack of commander in chief mm. is starting to put us in harm's Absolutely. way. Absolutely. There is no president. I, I don't know that a Congress or even a Republican Congress and Senate together can make up for the fact Mm-mm. that we just don't have a commander in chief. No, we don't. So it's. I don't know how to end this on a good note. Do you, Bosch? What's the good note? That we have the freedom to talk about this. Okay. That we'll be back next week. Okay. And uh, keep working. The Ayn Rand bot is coming out soon, so more ways to working spread on, the on ideas. Infidel, October, yeah. Chapter 3 will be out. And hopefully I can get it at uh, Comixology. I think I can. I mean, they got the first two issues. Especially the second issue, since I got that through, I think I can get this one through. But we'll see. It's going to go through Amazon now, though, right? That's right. An extra layer of bureaucracy. That's true. That's so true. So we'll see. Interesting. Stay tuned, people. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone. And uh, I think care, we're everyone. doing it just in time. Nielsen, Walter, Freedom Breeze, Stewart. Thanks for being here, everyone. John, thanks for hanging hour. out in the chat room at this late hour. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys next week.